discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Yeah, welcome, 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 ladies and gents. Got Mark Shaver on here to discuss Bruce Lee, his kids, Shannon and Brandon, and the overall Lee family legacy. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been definitely excited for the Bruce Lee and family tribute. So Very nice. <laughs> and so what was your introduction to the Lee family dynasty? What, what made you say, you know, I'm going to, I love Bruce, but here's why, and here's why I'm going to check out his other family. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, to be honest, I would credit Bruce Lee's films as really um, my, the start of my love for cinema in general. Really? Was, okay. Yeah, I was, I was 10 years old. So this was 1995. And my sister, who's five years older, she had befriended a family and they, I guess they watched Bruce Lee movies down there. And she told me one day, oh, you, you got to see this, this movie, you know, Bruce Lee movie. Uh, of course, I had heard of Bruce Lee at the time, but being only 10, I wasn't, I hadn't seen any of his films. I didn't know a whole lot about him. So you know, she brought a movie home one time to show me it was actually Fist of Fury, his second starring role. Um, and known at, known at that time, I knew it as the Chinese Connection, but it's... Um, I was going to say that because, that you know, when they weren't stealing his, you know, idea, which became the TV show Kung uh, Fu, good show in its own right, but I, I hate how they, you know, made money off his idea, but... Um, right. Uh, yeah, it was like Fist and Fury and Chinese Connection were constantly, you know, being, you know, mistaken for one or the other, retitled for some weird reason. So, yeah, I mean, it, he was off to a rough start. And, you know, we, we've heard so many of the stories how, you know, Robert Klaus was a disrespectful, you know, kind of a bigoted director. And he had to basically, you know, tell the producer, I'll walk. Unless, you know, this fucker doesn't know what he's doing. So let me yeah, have my say. And unfortunately, a Jackie Chan seemed to have had a similar experience. Oh, totally. And it just it just was commonplace, unfortunately. We just had so much yellow washing and just other people just not respecting the craft. And then, you know, you get to enter the dragon and he's having to deal, you know, give Jim Kelly a moment in the sun as well as deal with John Saxon's ego. And he's like, yeah, we totally don't like each other, but we'll make it work. Cause at <laughs> least you're not the director, Robert Klaus, who, you know, is basically, it's kind of like Cosmatos whenever he worked with Sylvester Stallone, just your ghost directing is like, you are here to tell the cameraman what I've told you to do. Shoot a close up of me, do this, you know, key B roll and, you know, no messing with the camera work because, you know, we're dealing with martial arts here, you know, this all has to be carefully choreographed. And right. I, I have yet to encounter anyone who even to this day hates Bruce Lee. Like, I, I can't think of a single person who hasn't, you know, said, oh, it's a generation thing or 
is just not understood or got it. They're like the only people who I can think are just people who just in general, just never cared for Kung Fu movies. All, all they do is look at the dub and go, oh, you know, so I, that's yeah. all I, all I can think of, you know, is people like that who would never give anything like a Japanese epic, like Salmon Samurai or again, a Hong Kong film with Chow Yun Fat, uh, you know, shot in the, yeah, that's that's uh, unfortunate. I mean, there's so many people who they're the same kinds this, who are going to mock Godzilla, and but for the wrong reasons. Day, <laughs> yeah. You know, still to this day, their their idea of Hong Kong cinema is, you know, the the poorly dubbed exported oh. versions from kung fu films from the '70s, and it's like, and some of know, the you, dubbing is what gives it <laughs> some of the appeal, unfortunately. But that 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 is the case, and I mean, I was fortunate enough. I mean, so. You you saw these in the cinema back in the day. Is what you're... No, not in the cinema. It was on VHS. Oh, okay. So nice. So I was the Spike TV USA network generation. So I, I saw plenty of these playing on TV. And AMC, I think, commonly, I think they still, still do show uh, Enter the Dragon. I mean, I see it on TV on occasion here and there. It's either on one of the movie channels or it's on something like, uh, you know, BBC America or just whatever you know just easy to do movie channel it's easy to modify you know and same thing with chinese connection it basically got an x rating for violence but it's just you know you cut out just like one or two like quick cuts and the rest is pretty fair you know easy to watch you know without getting worried about oh dear there's some serious themes or under mature things i gotta fast forward for because there's kids in the room <laughs> it, it's not it definitely compared to Brandon Lee, where it's like you get to the crow, it's like, ooh, you definitely don't want to show the, the crow to a kid. You know? <laughs> no, that one's a little a little dark for and rapid kid. fire. It's not necessarily too violent or sexual, but it is. There's a lot of off colored language, so that's not going to fly. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, rapid fire. That was the first Brandon Lee movie I saw, and that was on TV because I remember I I was already into Bruce. I had seen probably all of his you know five major films by that point and then i remember rapid fire was coming on tv one one night my sister said oh yeah that's that's bruce lee's son brandon lee i said oh cool you know and so i knew of course that bruce lee had passed so i i said oh so his son's still alive right and she said no he passed away too i was like what you know i couldn't believe it he was still only 28 but yeah um I'm, i'm with you like you know, Bruce Lee was easy to come by and Brandon, I only really got into in college. Like I, that's just where I saw his movies. I just, Oh no, I take that back. So I think I, I was definitely in like later years of high school and I saw the crow on YouTube. And again, guys, we're dealing with the 2000s, 2010s. It was different than, you know, in the eighties and nineties. And so I, he kind of did, I think, uh, what, what, how do you classify it? It's like he's Eurasian or something. It's like he had some family, like, overseas. And then, but yeah, he, he was mixed. And uh, I had no idea that he had worked as, like, a script reader and everything. But I, I saw plenty of his movies. But ironically, it took me a while to actually see Showdown in Little Tokyo. But I... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I, 
I, I know he had had some like meetings to play like Shang Chi in a movie with Marvel back in the day, and like, and so he was supposed to play Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. Supposedly, I heard that, but I keep forgetting that. I just mainly remember some of the other wacky names attached, like Cam Diaz, who you know that would have been her second movie technically had <laughs> she done that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was interesting in that he. He had like just a really close knit set of friends who you would have never guessed in a million years, like those who who they were, like Jeff Amato, who yeah was best known for choreographing the fight scenes in Fight Club and Born Identity, um, Blue Diamond Phillips, because both he and uh, Brandon had the same uh, stunt double, uh, Jeff Cadiente, who's same kind of guy uh, who is best known for being his photo double for the rest of the Crow, as well as. Oh. Uh, choreographing a lot of the fight scenes on hit TV shows like Star Trek Deep Space Nine, 24, Martial Law, and even freaking uh, Hawaii Five-0. So, I mean, those are big-ass <laughs> names. But, yeah, he, a lot of people knew about him, went to his funeral, um, even Steven Seagal of all pricks. But, yeah, I, I knew about <laughs> David Carradine, kind of kept him close because they did that Kung Fu movie reunion that was supposed to launch the second uh, series and instead they just waited a while he only redid it later in Canada in the 90s but yeah I found that ironic I actually never saw that but you know I explored Brandon Lee on IMDb years and years ago probably a couple few decades ago by now but um, I saw I saw laser mission which <laughs> pretty dorky. not very yeah. good but yeah. um it's good riff tracks. A little Tokyo, <laughs> you know that that one's fun. It, it's it's not a great film, obviously, but it's. I mean, it's you kind of know a, what you're getting. It is a B yeah. picture that has a bigger budget, and I mean, it's by the guy who did Commando and Firestarter. So I mean, yeah, it's I mean, Commando awesome, fun. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's just and, it. It needed uh, a Tia little. Carrera. Oh, totally, and it needed a bit more wit. But I mean, Dolph Lundgren got to stretch himself a bit. After Kiri being, Hiroyuki Tagawa is always a great villain. There you go. So. I, I do think he would have even been in Mortal Kombat had he not been in this one. So yeah, this is it's a good question. And I mean, to do that back to back with Rapid Fire, I think was just a good thing because you know Rapid Fire was playing on you know Fox was looking just for another easygoing you know violent cop movie, and it was kind of just playing on the likes of other stuff like you know Out for Justice, Die Hard, kind of in a bit with a lot of the colorful profanity there and definitely lethal weapon 40 hours you know it's just yeah re remember that dwight h little he had made um steven seagal movie uh, mm -hmm. marked for death right the same that kind of mentality the, you know it's, yeah it's, you know both both are great early 90s 48 hours films. a bit especially with the powers booth connection just the whole just clean cut action scenes just two guys giving each other shit and not knowing how to actually you know uh say what's on their mind um and, yeah, and I, probably i gotta say the fight with brandon against al leong has to be that's got to be his brandon's best fight scene out of his whole career right yeah uh what well and here's another connection uh what's his name uh who trained uh ronda rousey uh gene labelle who's now in common folklore known as the guy who choked seagal out and made him you know shit his pants <laughs> on Alfred Justice. A lot of people are now, you know, Seagal apologists who, by the way, go fuck yourselves, you know. You can enjoy Seagal's movie, but we know he's a pig. And, and they yeah. like they keep trying to act like he's full of it. I'm like, uh, out of all the people I'm going to trust, 
I'm going to totally trust Gene LaBelle. The dude has worked endlessly, you know, been playing, choreographed so many fights, been part of the Stunts Unlimited, you know, big stuntman industry, and has so many, you know, is so well-worded. Why would I not trust him? Unlike Seagal, who's basically just a politician, you know, just very yeah, unbelievable. He, he's a big so, liar. <laughs> uh, don't I, so know, his own films are cool, but but ever since he went, you know, Exit Wounds was like the last solid thing he did, and then it, then it was just shit from there on out. So I don't even uh, don't watch. I. I don't even watch any of his new movies for the last twenty years. Hmm. Well, and like you say, it it's just you can only put up with so much crap for so long where it's like, okay, all I see is the person, you know, I, it's now, you know, his movies in the nineties worked because at least they were material meant for other superstars like Schwarzenegger, you know, Bruce Willis, Stallone, you know, and he just happened to get it just because Joel Silver or some other big shot producer, Arnold Copelson wanted to work with someone else. So it's like, that's, that's just how it happened. So, I mean, it gets annoying when, like you say, you know, the star tries to be bigger than the movie. And as a result, it's just, it's just something that no one is proud of. It's just, they, <laughs> all they, all they, you can just tell all they do is associate just the negative experience with the movie. <laughs> it's like, who wants yeah. that? And unfortunately, fortunately he, he was able to coast for a while and people were putting up with shit. But I mean, I have a pal, John Cannon. I tell, I'm sure my listeners who, if you are tired of this story, please tell me. So, then I know that way you're actually listening, but um, it, it got interesting. Uh, my pal, John can, you know, uh, a, he's in Dallas still and does a bunch of gigs in Austin, and everything. His credits include, you know, Miss Congeniality. You know, he's the guy who kills the partner at the beginning. Um, uh, one of the prisoners in Tango and Cash, one of the soldiers in Universal Soldier 2, you know, cause they filmed that in Dallas too. So he, he had pals and connections in Chicago. And so he's part of the stunt team and out for justice. And they, you know, Seagal wants to stomp on him just because, you know, he's a bully that way. And the stunt coordinator <laughs> is like, do not be sitting, you know, lying belly, you know, down face first on the ground, you know, flip it. You want him to, you know, stomp on your belly, not on the, your back. Cause then you will be paralyzed. I'm telling you. And he was all the more intimidating. Cause like, I got my credit, but that scene's not even the fucking movie. <laughs> so what the hell is like, it, it's just such bullshit there should be a rule is like hey if it's not in the script don't shoot it but it is what it is and uh so a but yeah i mean i think brandon was just coming in at the right time and at the wrong time at the same time it's just like he he was very pleasant people hollywood was slowly becoming progressive it wasn't completely figured out but there was some who were just like okay you know he's a cool guy he He's a decent actor too. He can really be emotional. And, you know, by the time the crow comes out, everyone's like, man, you know, we'll just squander a talent. And I've had a love hate relationship kind of with the crow. I, it's very strikingly shot. It's very well acted. And uh, at the same time, the story is very predictable. And yet at the same time, it's very dark and it totally reshaped comic book movies. Like you would not have other stuff like stuff the Punisher or the Blade films, you know? I thought, I mean, I, I didn't actually see the full film until probably my senior year in high school. It was a um, while. And I, I think I just associated the fact that it's like, ah, 
this guy's so talented. Had he not done this movie, he would still be alive. And yet at the same time, I hate to think of who else could have done that movie and might have ended up dead, you know? <laughs> right. I and mean, yeah, now we got this scandal with Alec Baldwin and everything. And you're like, there's still some armorers who are fucking around and everyone is wanting to blame the actor saying, how dare they? It's like, no, no, <laughs> that, that's not on their mind. On their mind is time, money, and doing their role justice. It's like, they should not have to worry about whether the prop looks right or, you know, that they're worried about how do I look on screen? Am I telling the story? And, you know, people don't get it. They seem to think, oh, so <laughs> right it is what it is, i think but. i mean i remember researching quite a bit about you know the incident that happened on the set uh and it sounds like they had and it killed it michael like Massey's career in a way you know it's like he's just the actor playing the henchman and he's like oh fuck i just killed you know the superstar right and that's all you saw him in years later and i've always heard from people who work with him he was a cool pretty cool guy and yet it's just everyone's like oh but you're that motherfucker who killed bruce i'm like no he didn't kill brandon but i i hate how much like poltergeist just the whole the bruce lee curse just spread like wildfire it's like here's the thing you know bruce was taking a kind of medication and had just an unusual headache almost kind of the equivalent of a brain tumor i guess and so it's just like yeah swelling of the brain and so it's like yeah that, that totally different from hey some prick didn't do his job and you know got the main movie star killed yeah i mean brandon lee that his death was but you know by all means kind of a freak accident totally well with with negligence from the set of course so totally and i i do like how oh, we keep rediscovering some of Brandon's movies because they weren't the best reviewed. I didn't really check them out all that much, but yeah, I can see why legacy of rage is considered a good movie. That's like, definitely good. Even my wife liked that movie and I, it's a hard it time Michael for me Wong, to get her to watch who, Hong Kong films, but for whatever yeah. reason she liked legacy of rage. Oh, and he did it with uh, Michael Wong, who I think is another very talented guy. He's kind of the Keanu Reeves of Hong Kong. He's, due to his limited acting but charismatic yeah. appeal and michael wong yeah, would michael later wong's a likable guy I mean, oh totally and he was he's kind of like chow yun fat he's just he comes up does the work and uh you know he was just another just a new york born actor who you know did a bunch of mostly overseas work um uh yeah uh so did you ever see any of his uh brandon's sister shannon's movies yeah, I did. Um, you know, once I got really, really hardcore into Hong Kong cinema, which was, yeah, just kind of right after high school, you know, then then my, my love for it grew from just that surface level of only knowing Bruce, Jackie, Jet Li's work. You Jet know, Li was Johnny. interesting because, you know, you knew instantly, okay, no relation, different surname spelling, but same right. kind of deal even i mean fist of legend was a perfect you know based on the same kind of story and kind of a loose remake of chinese connection you know a martial arts teacher defends his school from you know communists you know japanese <laughs> imperials and so it's like yeah that's it's pretty cool but it, it was one of those like how you know who, who would have guessed that he kind of was able to have his own kind of style. It was like, he's doing wushu kind of like Jackie Chan. And yet at the same time, you know, he's kind of serious natured like Bruce. And 
I mean, yeah. Donnie Yen, same kind of deal, but a totally different kind of fighting style and just movie telling style story in, in general. And so it, how people stand out in their own way. I mean, Tony Jaw kind of the same way. He's kind of going for the rough and tough, raw feel of driving uh, kung fu movies and yet, you know, can't even compare. It's like to compare would be offensive. Their their own oyster. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, all those guys you just mentioned, I mean, the, you know, they they all go down in the Hall of Fame. I mean, oh, I think uh, yeah. I think for the last 17 years, I think Overall, I will pick Donnie Yen as, as you know, overall the, the, best, the yeah. best. But, um, you know, everybody's got their own place. Even Keanu and... Reeves, I mean, definitely a popular American guy. Wesley Snipes, you know, has his fans, but he hasn't really done much lately. But, you know, he had his moment for a while there where he's like, he was the go-to, you know, black martial artist, but also just, you know, superstar, just super moves and cool acting talent. And so I, I think, I mean, even seeing people who learned it later, like Dolph Lundgren, I mean, that was something to be said for is like, okay, well, <laughs> everyone's getting in on it now, even uh, Denzel Washington and Liam Neeson. So, I mean, kind of <laughs> just came down to how believable can you be and how much asking yeah, you care. With the, with the right choreographers and such, I mean, <clears throat> we joked out Jason the Statham's Oh yeah, and to, uh, Ronnie Yu, who's just a big American actor, uh, director as well. Uh, you know, it's just he's kind of the go-to for doing a lot of these lower budget yet energetic movies. Yeah, it's funny uh, you mentioned Michael Wong because he was actually in. I meant both to uh, mention that and do that. Legacy of Rage and Enter the yeah. Eagles with Shannon Lee, which yeah. was an okay film. I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but it was. It's 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 a lot of fun, but it is depending on which version you watch. You know, it's either dubbed or kind of questionable in terms of pacing. But yeah, I mean, just brilliantly done action. I actually just checked it out because I just recognized some of the stunt faces who have been in other giant blockbusters. But uh, I'm I'm with you. It's like okay, it's not gonna blow anyone else away, but it is kind of a fun. You get it past the plot. It's like there's there's a few eye catching stunts. Yeah, I remember when Michael Wong was like dangling from some kind of a bungee rope or and something Shannon like just that. Seems firing natural, guns. even though she's not asked to act all that much. But yeah, I mean, they have interesting chemistry that that would totally be perfect in a regular, uh, you know, buddy movie. But yeah, I mean, so Shannon around this time, you know, she does this the same time as you know Jeff Gaudiente again. You know, Brandon's stunt double was the choreographer for martial laws. So I'm not surprised that I never really thought about that connection, but yeah, she, she's on one cool episode, gets a cool kitchen fight with Samo Hong. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I've got that whole DVD set. So, I mean, that was nice. a show that, <laughs> that um, I remember in the late nineties when it was on, but <clears throat> I don't think I, I watched too much of it at that time but i had rapid share so i was caught up i'm like oh, okay this is a cool I, show that i always heard people talk about yeah i had i had seen several episodes on youtube years ago and then when when that box set finally came out what five six years ago nice you know i picked yeah. that up right away because i'm a I huge still got my fan of like dvds <laughs> samo hung i mean samo hung really that guy deserves more credit i mean 
oh, for totally choreographing all the fights and everything. You're like, yeah, this, this dude is important. <laughs> yeah, and he goes back. I mean, he worked with Bruce Lee on Enter the Dragon and mm -hmm. and uh, Jackie Chan's just very big part of his career. So yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, she she was Shannon kind of had her moment in the sun, but she was mainly just kind of you know other than Enter the Eagles and a brief walk on role for Blade and Dragon the Bruce Lee story. And even working with the band Medicine and contributing some vocals for that band's song in The Crow. Yeah, she just had very limited connections, just kind of, I guess, more of an activist and casual actor. Yeah, I think she's kind of been in charge of like the Bruce Lee kind of uh, the Bruce Lee brand, so to speak. Yeah, uh, she was later in a sci-fi channel movie called Epic and then yeah now nah, i saw one other movie that she was in called high voltage i think yes that was a isaac florentine directed movie with antonio sabato pre you know batch of craziness and it was all right it was it was okay i mean she 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 was the best part of it i gotta say so oh uh, totally and this is before uh you know isaac found better scripting and she got to work with George Cheong, who's, you know, always a go-to kind of guy and a henchman in many of these movies. So, I mean, <laughs> so Cage 2 with Lou Ferrigno, I didn't find that to be all that spectacular compared to the first one, which was just a fun, you know, schlocky action uh, fest with Lou and Red Brown. But yeah, it is so one, two, three, and then Inner the Eagles and Blades, so five. There's there's one other, you know, I haven't even seen the film yet. I actually, I bought it sometime late last year. Oh, really? Okay. Just uh, to let's... get around to watching it is Lessons for an Assassin. So I saw that online back in the day as well. I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's confusing <laughs> as hell, but it's kind of a fun, it kind of reminds me of like the replacement killers kind of, it's just really? that one of those just kind of just, a corporation called the corporation and just once you get packed some of the questionable acting it, it really does actually deliver there are some decent fights she has some okay knife fighting and everything and there's some yeah, plot I've, holes but it, it's pretty good for what it is as a you know the action movie i remember seeing that some i remember seeing the cover of that somewhere a long time ago in the, some video store constantly but i same it just didn't look appealing and yet at the same time everyone kind of wanted to secretly you know watch it and see what it was like and i was going to get to it anyway because the bad guy is played by michael dorn you know wharf from star trek so that's an instant win right there but it, it was cool just seeing him hold a gun and just kind of really ham it up and just be like hey you're not playing by the rules assassins you know <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> yeah, cool to i gotta see i gotta watch that one soon because i felt like my collection was because you know i had I mean, going back to Bruce, there's nobody's films I've bought more than than Bruce Lee's films, you know, VHS to DVD to mm -hmm. remastered DVD to Hong Kong Legends DVDs for no no reason to buy them. And then Blu-ray set and then another Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I had to stop, you know. All good. So but, um, I felt like, you know what, I want like one more Shannon Lee movie, even though I I kind of read that she wasn't the main character in that film, but. Yeah. I, and I think you're in good hands. It's definitely would be a fun 
if you saw it at a thrift store to just pick it up because and have a I mean, a lot of martial artists themselves are going to definitely check out some of these B action, you know, made for TV directed video films because they can be fun. And it's so wild how many of these movies had pretty much the exact same plot as something like a Equalizer, Taken, or John Wick. You know, just <laughs> a, sh a shadowy hitman guild or, you know, yeah, contract killers. And, you know... Once you give it a few t minutes, you know, it really does take off. It is just so much fun. And she does get probably her best fights that I've seen hmm. in her oh, that's career. Good. Yeah, because, I mean, nothing from Enter the Eagles, I mean, even though, you know, Corey Yoon did that film, I thought, you know, I, I haven't watched it for quite a while, but I've seen it maybe twice. And I remember there yeah. was, like, a fight scene in, like, a barn somewhere near the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then Shannon, she had her hair really short, and then she was kind of doing the, doing the Bruce Lee mimicking stuff, and um, totally. Then I, I just remembered the finale was in some kind of a blimp or something like that. Yeah, pretty much it. And I think it a lot more gunplay in that film, which is totally fine. I mean, oh, totally. You know, I, I put I put them both. Uh, martial arts and gunplay and kind of a equal pedestal in terms of what you know what I like in action films especially Hong Kong ones yeah I, I think you pretty much summed it up because I mean both these guys deserved at least 20 plus more movies you know and uh, I'm just glad that Shannon like you say was in charge of the uh, Bruce's estate with her mother and uh, they, you know, brought the show Warrior to Cinemax, which is basically what Kung Fu was supposed to basically be all these years. And like you say, it's just cool to see. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like Shannon just kind of did mostly just singing, believe it or not. Like she did a song that's in China Strike Force, which is a crazy oh, really? funny movie starring Aaron Kwok and... Yeah, Coolio, yeah, I, I've got that movie. Yeah. I saw it on Spike TV, and that was another <laughs> one where you're like, I don't know what I just watched. Cool stunts, shitty plot. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Tong. I mean, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I mean, he he did some of Jackie's best work from the '90s. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, those his films were what got me. Like right after Bruce, it was right around the time, you know, mid '90s where we're like. Um, Police Story 3 Supercop had just been released in U.S. theaters under Supercop and that was the first Jackie Chan movie I saw. I remember I, I saw it in the theater. Um, of course it was, you know, the dubbed version and since I've, since then I've picked up the original Hong Kong version, which is definitely better, but um, <laughs> you know, I mean it's funny because there was a Warren G song on the soundtrack for the U.S. release I with Adina Howard, and they had Jackie Chan appear in the music video. <laughs> really? Oh my God! So, yeah, yeah. Go. It's called "What's Love Got to Do with It." It's like a like a remake of uh, the Tina Turner one. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. The more you know. Um, yeah, I always had fun with that one, and it was just kind of cool to see. Uh, just again just practical stunts that were 
better done than some of Jet Li and Jackie's American work. And yeah, and then right. Rumble in the Bronx. I mean, that that had already oh, come yeah. out in the U.S. And, then and the uncut version like, is the better way to go because you actually get the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> that one I haven't seen. Most of Jackie's films, I I saw the original versions finally, but but Rumble in the Bronx, First Strike, a couple of those films. Um, you know, even the the uh, U.S. Blu-rays that came out, even the even the Hong Kong uh, Blu-rays that came out were were the uh, were the U.S. versions of those films for whatever reason. I think it was something to do with Warner Brothers. Something questionable, yeah. And it just kind of was eye-opening to just see is like okay, just because they're giant studios doesn't necessarily mean that they respect the artists. So I think. Post Me Too, we're finally getting a lot of people who, you know, everyone likes to act like it's too much he said, she said stuff. I think it's more than that. I think it's just a wake-up call that everyone has to learn the meaning of empathy and just remind themselves what respect means, you know? And yeah, and uh, fortunately, there are a lot of people who are finally, again, getting their due wages and not being treated like shit behind the scenes anymore, which is good, but there's still some people we got to root out, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. There the probably always will be somebody, but... You do, except keep reporting. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, they have their sparse moments that are just fun, and even when they're in B-movie territory, it's just, you can't help but just kind of acknowledge that. It's like, you know, you guys are doing pretty good, you know, considering what you got, you know. <laughs> even you know going back to bruce again i mean we, we mentioned uh, fist of fury enter the dragon um game of death i mean that one and you can't blame them for wanting to ape their you know father's successful careers like that's what they were doing you know it's like they were trying to make him proud what would you yeah. do <laughs> I, I gotta mention to the, the big boss actually i'd say the big boss and fist of fury were my were my favorites from Bruce. I mean, everybody, okay. everybody thinks Enter the Dragon is is the best, and I can see why. I mean, it's a classic, of course. I mean, but, kind of more into Chinese connection. Yeah, I mean those those original films. I mean, yeah, they're they're not. I mean, Enter the Dragon was cool. It's like a little bit Hollywood, but you mm -hmm. know, I mean, I mean, it was kind of a groundbreaking film the first time. I think that. Hollywood and Hong Kong kind of collaborated on a film. A thousand percent. And it's just how it had to be made. He had to yeah. take a J-type plot. No, I mean, it's still totally cool, still, cool film. If your movie, if it's not Michael Dorn influenced a, you know, deadliest game ever played kind of movie too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, often I do see a lot of people who will say, you know, it's like, that, that's totally what I was inspired by, you know? <laughs> Was this movie? Enter the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, th that film's influence—it it definitely is far-reaching. Oh, yeah, far-reaching, pretty successful. You know, it just fast-paced, beginning to end. Yeah, that's one film I gotta say. Even though I said I wouldn't buy any more uh, copies, but I, I had the—I have the. Uh, it was the what was it forty 
it must have been the 40th anniversary Blu-ray, the one that they put out, you know, it didn't have the classic poster art anymore, but it had just the close-up of Bruce's face in the uh, mirror with those, you know, with the iconic scratches on his face from, you know, Han's fake hand and all that. <clears throat> but, and that, that Blu-ray is pretty decent overall, but, you know, I, I got to stop going on those sites where they show, like, comparisons between different blu-ray releases you know it's because a lie. <laughs> then i see it's like the image is a little bit cropped and this and that and it's like okay you know maybe Someone's maybe if they, around. Yeah. if they put out a 50th anniversary edition next year on on, on blu-ray and it's perfect okay i'll probably buy it but then that's got to be it <laughs> well and i hate it when some of those i mean i'm only going to do x amount of research and everything and I even had to reset my PS3 even recently because I was like, uh, it's got to be connected to the internet. Otherwise, you know, it goes by the old fashioned encryption code where it's like, if you've got no internet connection, you can't even play any Blu-ray media. <laughs> so, <but What? laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing on older Blu-ray mo uh, models, but that sucks. It's like, no, 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 you play this now. But um, I was the same way where it was like, okay, which copy do I get? Cause I'm only going to buy certain copies of movies if I want certain special features, but Again, everyone's got a set budget, so it's like, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll do this German Blu-ray if it's region free or if it's region two, but I can play it on one of my portable DVD or Blu-ray players. So yeah, you know, while I'm working at you know on the clock, and uh, I think it's like like you say, it's just these guys that they have an endless uh, just appeal. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, that's a great way to put it. It is an endless appeal because I mean it's been. Jeez, it's been uh, going on 30 years now since I've been totally. <laughs> watching, you know, as a fan of, of Bruce Lee. So I never even I saw still... World Martial Arts Council, but apparently that was a thing that would come on after like Power Rangers and Shannon was like the host of that. Did you ever see that? I never, I don't remember seeing that, no. It was apparently, yeah, it was produced by the Power Rangers company and it just aired on like local Fox stations, you know. <laughs> I remember seeing one thing probably in the late 90s it was like Wesley Snipes was the host of it, and it was some kind of Masters a, of the Martial Arts, and it aired on TNT. You can even find the whole thing on YouTube. Still, I oh, think. is that it? I I remember it was. Yeah, because he he was a big deal. It, it kind of was, and it, he had something for everyone. He had a bunch of up and coming black comedians do some stand up and hosting, and then he had yeah a bunch of martial arts perform, and. I mean, it made sense that he was funding it because, you know, he was hot shit at that moment. You know, all his kind of like, he was like the better version of Seagal, you know, all just doing a bunch of crowd-pleasing action films each year. And, you know, Blade was already a thing that same year. So, yeah, I mean, he had some power to say, hey, let's do a TNT, you know, cable TV special after your Mortal Kombat show ends. You know, let's do <laughs> a fun uh, just tribute of, again, you know, this this side of pop culture so yeah so, yeah i i keep wondering you know how would um that first moral combat film have turned out with brandon lee in the role oh imagine shannon lee being in one of the roles but yeah uh, yeah she it, could play like kitana or i don't you know, i don't whoever. think mortal combat would even exist without enter the dragon so that's a good point you know well yeah no I, i'm a huge mk fan and, and that's right i mean pretty much 
Enter the Dragon. I mean, Even just first... Running Man or any other kind of just fight to the death kind of movie, you know, <laughs> just yeah, Bloodsport and you know, I mean, and I, I always grin when I see a hallway mirror fight, you know, like be it John Wick two or yeah, even John something. Even something as dumb as uh, skyscraper with the rock. There's a brief hallway of mirrors as a d- defense mechanism in the building. I'm like, ah, I see what you're a fan of. Nice, and it's just interesting to always. You can just tell through and through. You know, like what kind of a martial arts movie fan you are. <laughs> you know, it's funny see- how you know. Obviously, when when people see the you know like the nunchaku weapon, you they they think Bruce Lee. I think most people do, and Enter the Dragon yeah, being yeah. his most famous film, he 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 only used that weapon very briefly in in that in that underground fight, you know. Right, it's such a good build up, and then when he uses it, you're like, "Whoa, I had no idea!" And it's even more fun, even when you his movies can become kind of a party game because you want to see how suspenseful he can be with his style. Let alone, you know, who did he kill? Let alone who did he just beat the shit out of and uh i don't think he ever had a high body count in his movies but it might as well be is like you you there's i mean just even him fighting then unknown you know stuntman jackie chan you know briefly that was a fun youtube meme that kind of kept popping up <laughs> it's like ah so that's where he got to start this one of his first roles um but so technically bruce and jackie did fight you know <laughs> yeah um, very briefly yeah, and then he yeah. got his neck snap Mm-hmm. Um, I love you, Jackie. And, but <laughs> it's also fun, you know, picking out the little like um, the other little, I guess you could call them Bruce Lee trademarks. Like the most of his films had that scene where he would taste his blood and like spit it out and then just go crazy. It was really just a cunning way to go about it, and I can't, you know. I think if I had to pick it a little more, I think I would just say it's just, that's just Bruce through and through is like, how would someone strike? Would he strike like a lion or would he strike like a tiger? And I think, yeah, it's like, however he responds, you know, yeah, it's like he gets, and unfortunately, I think there are still just some people, they just think martial arts movies are mindless, fun and cool. And it's like, no, with Bruce Lee, it definitely introduced a lot of philosophy into that subgenre of action films. And, you know, Brandon just kind of was one of those, he's kind of embracing the spirit of his father, Bruce, but he's, you know, more often than not, he was in a lethal weapon type movie or just an easygoing kind of crowd pleaser that, you know, unfortunately, didn't give him the best dialogue to work with despite his training at some big, 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 you know, uh, LA theaters. So, uh, uh, and training. So, I mean, and Shannon, I mean, I wasn't surprised, you know, but, uh, you know, doing some brief direct video action films and overseas productions and then, uh, reality TV and music. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting though, still, yeah, speaking of that, it sounded like because I I I bought I upgraded Legacy of Rage some years ago from like a VHS to a DVD copy that Shout Factory won, and I listened really? to the commentary from Ronnie Yu and had Mike Leader on there as well, and 
they were kind of talking about, you know, be, because the Hong Kong uh, stunt guys and then whatever potential triad uh, organizations that could have been involved <laughs> at that time, you know, they, it sounded like Brandon Lee kind of didn't, didn't work well with them. They, they thought he was, uh, I, they said that they thought he was like arrogant or something, just, which, which, which I don't think he, he never came across as arrogant. And that's right. Yeah. Ronnie, you directed Legacy Rays and he directed his sister. So, I mean, but yeah, no, that's, that is interesting though, too. Cause I mean, he was just at the peak of his stardom and he, you know, he wants to focus on his craft. So he's not, he doesn't really care about any, what anyone else thinks at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it would have been cool to see him do a few more films in Hong Kong, but oh, I mean, uh, but I mean, you know, but you, 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 you recommend that shout factory release. You just thought it was a pretty cool upgrade. Yeah. I mean, you know, VHS, I, <laughs> VHS is definitely, um, past its past its day <laughs> oh so the commentary track was actually on the vhs no on the uh, dvd that was on the dvd i had to say okay. i had first bought that film on vhs and then you okay. know finally i saw in the store one day on that on that new dvd and i said this film is definitely good enough to upgrade to dvd and retire the vhs so all good <laughs> So that that's wild. They just were just like, yeah, no, just <laughs> not taking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think from the sounds of things, I, I think some of that stuff died out, potentially at least back in the '90s, like, like the whole like triad kind of um, getting involved with film production. I could be wrong about that, but I don't hear about it anymore. Yeah, you'd like to think it's changed a bunch, but you never know. So, I mean, it's definitely interesting seeing uh, just how it came about. Um, but that's cool that, again, you know, you have all these extra special features. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it was cool. Bolo Young was in that film, too. Um after being an end to the dragon i mean they got to have like that brief alleyway fight so that was that was cool and you know then then you can clearly see like john Woo's influence on the on the gunplay in that film i mean it it came out like the same year as a better tomorrow <laughs> yes that, that forever changed the gunplay choreography and not just hong kong but you know pretty soon you'd start to see like uh, I remember watching uh, The Untouchables, and I could be wrong, but when I was watching like that gunfight near the end of the film, I thought this guy must have seen, you know, Brian De Palma, he must have seen some of John Woo's work at that time. Just the way, the way he filmed it. You would think somewhere, somehow, or using some of the same kind of camera techniques. So, yeah, it was interesting always when seeing overseas movies, especially in Italy and China and even South Korea and Brazil, you know, what techniques are very exclusive to certain cultures versus, you know, just uh, various other 
filmmakers in general. Like I know that's why John McTernan for Predator, he hired a certain cinematographer because he loved the obscure movie Attack Force C. <laughs> when I found that out years later, I, I saw that movie in, co in college, you know, years after I'd already seen, you know, Predator, but it's like, wow, okay, cool. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool how that you just, every now and then you, you find out something. I mean, it's, I've, I've heard about it for a while now, but supposedly Van Damme was um, originally supposed to be in the, in the Predator suit. Yeah, he quit after a while just because he was a crybaby. He was like, no, no, no I don't get to do what I want. He's like, no, no, you, you don't get it. <laughs> oh, and then, you know, that, that old Chuck Norris movie, um, Missing in Action. Mm -hmm. I remember watching A lot that. of the canon films guys, for that matter. You know, Michael Dudikoff is pretty much just... <laughs> Seeing um, Van Damme's name in the credits, I guess he was some sort of a... He was a stuntman in one scene yeah, and confirmed it years man, later. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, I, I'm just pretty much an extra who did a stunt. What would you say if, if you could pick um, your favorite fight? Because, uh, I mean, my, my personal favorite, like I said, for Brandon Lee, it's got to be rap, end of rapid fire. But um, with for Bruce, I'd have to think about that for a minute. What, what oh, totally Chinese Connection. Like, that was my, my first, first one. And... You know, it, it depends. I mean, the big boss is kind of his warm up, and then, like you say, Fist of Fury just really uh, just owns. And obviously, his Chuck Norris one, you know, uh, uh, Return of the Dragon, or <laughs> depending on what you want to call it, um, you know. Yeah, Way of the Dragon, and it's I kind of more of a. It's just basically you know, just leftovers and it just got that appeal just because of that final fight, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the way of the dragon and have that one other, it had that alleyway fight where we were, he took out like two nunchakus and that part was pretty cool. That film was way more lighthearted than the, than Bruce's other films. And it's funny because mm -hmm. he directed that film too. So funny how that works yeah <laughs> i mean you could tell bruce had a sense of humor you would but, like uh, to remember hope, those yeah. <laughs> those scenes in like fist of fury where he was like wearing those disguises and uh, he was pretending to be like the telephone repairman and the old man and all that <laughs> totally um so it's been a minute since i've seen legacy of rage i'm sure it'll rank somewhere so i mean we pretty much got to rank these guys all on the same list since they don't make a top 10 by themselves. So if I, I, I how, how about I just make this easy for us? You know, it's like Shannon's I'm going to put lessons of an assassin and enter the Eagles. And, uh, what was the first one she did? Um, <laughs> oh, we just had it. Um, high voltage. Yeah. High voltage. So, even though she doesn't do enough, you know, it's still cool to see her in there. So yeah, that, that, that's free right there. And yeah, I uh, would say enter the Eagles probably overall was, was the best movie that, that I've seen that she was in. I think, um, then I'd have to say high voltage. I mean, I, I really liked her scenes in that film. And mm -hmm. then, I mean, I still haven't seen lessons for an assassin. So yeah. So <laughs> Is it those, but I guess 
Blade, even though she's just in it for like a second. Oh, okay, so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got four movies right here. Uh, Brandon, obviously, we can include. I mean, well, shoot. Well, if we're gonna, well, let's just put Blade in the honorable mention since she's just an extra. So yeah, well, we we got Free for Shannon and Brandon. You know, so we got Legacy of Rage, Rapid Fire, The Crow, and Showdown. So that's four right there too. So that leaves us with seven. So, but Bruce has about, you know, six movies. So um, how would we divide the rest of that list? <laughs> Just How would you rank Brandon's films? Would you put? Um... Oh, I was thinking we could combine them all together, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so Bruce, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Brandon's just obviously the crow is his most popular one, but yeah, I'm just more privy to the down and dirty, just kind of violent cop movies he did. So, I mean, obviously I got to rewatch legacy, but you know, I, I still rank rapid fire. I've come to really enjoy it. I was disappointed initially because the plot was kind of weak sauce, but over time I learned to stop being cynical and list, stop listening to what critics said, you know, and just say, you know, these are actually pluses, you know, this is practically the plot to rush hour, except done better, you know? Yeah. I, I'd, I'd say, I mean, rapid fire, I, I'd have to say is my favorite one from Brandon. I mean, it's the first one I saw <clears throat> it's got his best fight work in it, but I mean, other, otherwise the crow is, I'd say the crow has his best performance for sure. Oh, totally. Now here's the other question for you. Um, I just kind of had to remind myself. So did you ever watch the green Hornet, which was kind of Bruce's just, you know, main foot in the game after being a fight choreographer. No, I've never, I've never seen so, any episodes of that at all. I've seen, I like would clips. always watch. Yeah. I would watch clips growing up. It, I could never get into that show. It just was always kind of a poor man's in my opinion, Batman. And that says a lot since Batman, you know, the fights aren't, convincing but that's part of the camp you know and bruce i was fortunate enough to see you know him in just bit parts like uh the movie the orphan as well as uh marlo which is a, a silly you know noir tribute with james garner and it it's kind of whatever but it it was interesting to seeing him pop up. I'm like, oh my god, that's Bruce Lee. Yeah, <laughs> or he was well known. Yeah, even like, um, there's been so many, so many things with with Bruce popping up. Like, uh, I, I believe somebody had filmed something at Sharon Tate's funeral, and and they caught something Bruce like Lee that. in the yeah. audience or something like that, and. Mm -hmm. Because I think he trained her. I think so, yeah. I know he had a lot of those those guys in Hollywood as his students, like James Colburn and Steve McQueen. and That makes sense, because, I mean, yeah, The Wrecking Crew was one of Dean Martin's Matt Helm movies. So, yeah, I'm sure he, that was pretty much his whole recruit for the studio. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about, you know, like the Ip Man movies where, you know, it's kind of... Um, you know, like, I guess kind of a semi-fictionalized telling of, of Bruce Lee's teacher and stuff like that. I mean, 
it's an interesting predicament because, you know, I every time I always end up wondering, you know, man, you know, what what would had happened from here? And I think I'm overall just mainly happy that some of his other movies that he wrote or choreographed were eventually seen. Like he apparently did another movie called Fist of the Unicorn, which is seen overseas, and yeah, I a Circle of Iron I think is worth watching, even though it's by Roger Corman's studio and stars. Uh, it was also co-written by Coburn, and it stars David Carey and Christopher Lee. <laughs> it's interesting because that that reminded me of some of those uh, other films that he was going to do, like. I don't know if you ever seen those photos of Bruce where he was uh, in costume. I guess he was doing a costume rehearsal for Shaw Brothers. I think so. But and but, but he never made a movie for them. And then there was another Golden Harvest one that that Low Way did, which supposedly Bruce didn't he get was along one of with the, him. And after. he was one of the guys who kind of ripped off Bruce, posing as one of the many Bruce Lee's, right? He was the director of, um, he did The Big Boss and Fist of Fury. Oh, okay, shit. No, so sorry. I, I thought there was another guy called Way also who was like one of the, after Game of Death, it became popular for studios to come out with, you know, people who couldn't read, just taking advantage of that and say, you know, they were the asylum before the mockbuster thing. He's like, hey, yeah, Bruce all the Lee. Fake Bruce, Bruce, all the fake Bruce Lees. <laughs> Some of them tried to become legit, but most of them were just, you know, amateurs who shot in front of a camera you know and sometimes they illegally use stock footage without any permission of an estate so yeah there was a movie with jimmy wong Yu called a man called tiger and i believe that bruce lee was originally supposed to be the star of that film but then i think because he had this uh bad blood with with the director low way that he refused to work with him again so bummer so again, and that's funny too because was he Jimmy just Wong Yu was very like unsafe kind of, with how he choreographed the whole thing or shot everything? Or well, I I read different things. I read that like Lo Wei was more interested in uh, gambling on horse races than filming the movie, and that, oh, that he wow. would fall asleep on in the chair on set, and Bruce would do all the work or something. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> who knows? But. It's, you know? it's it's too bad Bruce never got like a go-to director, you know. Like you said, he didn't he didn't work well with Robert Klaus, and he didn't work well with Low Way apparently. Um, and then you know he passed away and uh, untimely, so he never got like you know Jackie Chan had a few different directors like like Stanley Tong or like Benny Chan who had done a few films with him and. Jet Li had, you know, uh, I mean, you could say Choi Hawk with Once Upon a Time in China films and. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 The, those Johnny Yen worked with tribute. Wilson Yip a ton of times. So, you know, Bruce never had that director actor team going, going for him, really. He kind of didn't need it at the same time. Like, he knew what worked. He just was very instructional. And I. I guarantee you we wouldn't have what we have today without him either. You know, so it's like, it's 
it's a tough thing to pin down, but essentially, you know, it gets down to, uh, it just, he is the godmaster of action. And I now even wonder if I can even call Game of Death 1 or 2 even a complete movie because I've struggled <laughs> to watch either one and it just feels like an incomplete movie, you know? Yeah, Game of Death 2, I mean, that one I definitely do not consider it a Bruce Lee movie. I mean, just I think all they it. did yeah. was take deleted scenes from Enter the Dragon and then paste them in there. But, I mean, the original one... I. I would count it still, but it's like, like you said, it's incomplete. I mean, it was a totally different plot. Bruce Lee died, and then they just cobbled together a whole different movie around it. So, and you know, apparently there's a Redux of it that was released recently. Yeah, I didn't see that version. I saw like the um, that one documentary, A Warrior's Journey, where they had found some of the missing footage, and included that at the end where it was just like the three pagoda fights but it had all the extra footage in it with like those other guys that were with him and stuff yeah. and then in the, in the actual film they like trimmed that down to only maybe 10 minutes of actual bruce lee footage so and i mean i I would love it if they could even do kind of a complete like collection of his long lost movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one of one of the things that I kind of gave up on it, but I used to always be checking online for like, I, you know, I thought one day they'll release uncut version of the big boss, but I think by now, like that whole saw in the head thing has become like just this, you know, Loch Ness monster or something that you probably never going to see it i mean and i've read conflicting things on whether or not it was ever in the film to begin with or whether it was you know one person said it was it looked bad so they cut it out another person said it was too violent so they cut it out and this and that but he gained the upper hand i can't have that (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting too like like watching those those old VHS tapes and then later on seeing I guess the most uncut version of some of those films we're ever gonna probably get. Like Yeah, like, I still um, need to get the whole Blu-ray pack. <laughs> you gotta wait for the price to go down if you want. The Way of the Dragon had quite a few scenes cut out of it and I bet. Big boss really, I think it was only like the the end kill where he he like uh he did like the finger jab where he like pierced the the, the big boss's rib cage with his fingers and stuff <laughs> makes you wonder <laughs> how they uh even filmed it you know <laughs> yeah and then i think uh, i guess that's it i mean enter the dragon the 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 only releases i've seen they had like that extra three minute scene at the beginning mm-hmm. where he was like talking to the Shaolin monk. And I guess that was not in the theatrical version. Nice. Mm-hmm. But they, they did actually, they did release, I forgot criterion collection released all of his films right. a couple summers ago. And I guess they did include the theatrical version, but by that time I, I had bought 
so many copies. I didn't, I didn't go for it, but. Totally. And I mean, I think it helped that, uh, you know, Bruce was all over the place, just making appearances as Kato on both uh, on Batman doing some other TV guest spots. But I mean, I think it helps that we'll always check out something he's in because uh, just we just realize what a smart person he is, you know, and yeah. And just that, you know, one of those household names, I mean, even if somebody's never seen his films, chances are they, they know Bruce Lee. My, my wife actually bought, uh, when we found out we were having a baby, she bought this, uh, you know, like the game of death, yellow and black kind of a track suit. It was like a, for babies, you know, and then <laughs> she said, whether or not it's a boy or a girl, we can have them wear it, and turned out to be a boy, so I think I think it's for about nine months old, so <laughs> as soon as he can fit into that, I'm going to get a picture of him in it. <laughs> there you go. And, and speaking of him, I got I to gotta cut it short so I can go get him some formula. All good. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad we were able to talk about this, and I yeah. mean... The fact, I, I always knew Bruce was kind of a thing. The fact that there was an Xbox game based on his all the the premises to his movies in the 2000s. So it's like, yeah, who are you kidding? But if you haven't yeah, seen Bruce, exactly. then you don't call yourself an action fan. <laughs> I mean, there's always all those fighting games had, you know, Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat and Fei Long in Street Fighter. And um, uh, pretty much all those fighting games had like the Bruce Lee character in them thousand percent so thank you ever so much for being on here and we will do another fun get together very soon definitely yeah this one was a lot of fun i had to be a part of it we'll return after these messages hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try they must be destroyed on sight the new podcast cure-all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper paul romali and the odd guest host cure what ails you Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. 
It takes a powerful goddess like Connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies with a one last plot holes are gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen at eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, the life of Lydia Zeminoff, daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman 
who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.